Do you have a child who used to love learning and now perhaps they're struggling with learning in school? Or do you have a child who loves learning and you want to keep them loving learning? If so, this episode is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Our guest today was born and raised in Hawaii, but she is a world learner. Pamela Zeo has been teaching her whole life from teaching teachers behavior motivation for their students to teaching students in elementary school and her latest endeavor, training musical theater performers. She has a grandbaby girl, Rosalie Jade, and a wonderful daughter and son-in-law that live too far. She yearns to someday own a horse and serve missions for her church. We are pleased to have Pam join us today. Pam, thanks for being here. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, we are so excited to have you. And just question, what actually got you into education? Because it it seems to have become such an important part of your life. Yeah, fun story with that. When I was a little girl, I don't know if a lot of people can say this, but I was young and I used to play teacher. Really? That was one of the things that I loved to do. We had a ping pong table. We'd fold it up and I'd use the underside as a chalkboard. I'd make all my siblings sit down and learn with me. I'd write out lesson plans. (laughs) I had chalk. (laughs) I have loved teaching from when I was really young and I don't know why it took me so long to grab onto it as my calling and my profession. But I finally did when I became a single mom and I said, I need a schedule that I work with the same with my daughter. So I went back to school, got another degree and became a certified teacher. So the path has been long in coming. I think I was born with the desire to teach. So, so fascinating. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the childhood us knows what we really love to do? (laughs) Isn't that interesting? And we'll talk a lot about our childhood and how we are born and our innate desires when it comes to learning. So I'm excited that you brought that up. I really think you're right that it's so important to recognize what we love doing as children, because that helps us understand what our passion might be in the future or put us on the road to it because things change so quickly in this day and age. However, I digress a little bit. My dad always says, you find what you love to do and then you find a way to get paid for it. That is wonderful. Why don't we step into that then? What factors do you think really do encourage learning in children since we're kind of segueing into this topic? Mm -hmm. I believe that children are born with the innate desire to learn. We're talking about what you gravitate to, right? Children are born loving to learn. I think the problem is if we're going to discuss what we can do to help them to love learning. There's really nothing else to do except to nurture that and to, by all means, this is the big part, is to not destroy that. Mm. And I think that's what happens 
in the schools sometimes. And I don't mean to disrespect schools and teachers, of course. I'm always the best advocate for teaching, but this is why I do what I do in classroom management because the behaviors, and we target behaviors, and the behaviors are a reflection of what's going on in the student, in their mind and in their heart, like what's happening that they want to continue to learn or not continue to learn. And it manifests itself in behaviors. And so I tackle it as I consult teachers from the behavior point of view. We say, if this behavior is happening, let's go backwards and find out why. And this is how we've discovered that negative behaviors oftentimes reflect on their level of learning and the ability to learn. Mm -hmm. And that then you go back further and we ask ourselves, well, how did it get there? Because we know that they're born wanting to learn, right? Inquisitive spirits. That's what we want to do. Innate nature is to grab onto new information. So we're born that way. But what happens along the way is maybe the inability to learn and then people not nurturing that or nipping that in the bud so that the learning is rejuvenated every day. Sometimes I tell teachers when we're looking at these recurring behaviors, sometimes it really is that every day they start new and it's the same pattern. They're treated the same way. Learning is still hard. So I often tell teachers, kids wake up and they don't say, oh, I'm going to ruin my teacher's day. I'm just not going to behave today. It's not who they are. Every day a child wakes up ready to learn, ready to face the day. And then they get to school or possibly at home. I'm just targeting schools, right? Because that's my place. So they get to school and it's the same it's the same pattern. They're not good at it. The teachers give up on them, don't explain well enough, get frustrated at the behaviors and don't understand that the behaviors are coming from possibly the statistics are 95% of recurring misbehaviors come from the lack of ability to learn or even being bored. Learning is not happening. So if we can tackle that, if we can handle that, and one of the tools is effective and engaging lessons that help the students grab onto the learning again, and then the behaviors will change. So the bottom line is that I think what happens is we, somewhere along the line, the love of learning gets smushed and destroyed. A smash down, inhibited is better words than destroyed. But I see that because when I work in high schools, by that time, can you imagine a student? I always use the name Johnny. I don't know why, no offense to Johnny's out there. But I say Johnny struggling in kindergarten. And then it happens again in first grade. And then he still doesn't understand his ABCs and can't read. And so it gets to second grade and he still can't read and he feels like a failure. And then it goes on to third and fourth. And my last grade that I taught was fifth grade. And by the time they get to fifth grade, it's already a pattern in their psyche and in their heart. They're like, oh my goodness school again. Then you get to high school and it's just the whole thing all over again, year after year after year. And the reason I know this to be true is because I, when I go into the high schools and the teacher will say, watch out for this student. He just fools around all the time. And that's my indication to know that I need to focus on that student, build relationships, etc. I would go up to the student and just sit down right next to him or her and say, how can I help you with this and help them find a little success? And this is probably another way to help the love of learning, right? To find those little successes, especially when they're so, so distraught and it's such a pattern of failure. Then we take this little success and 
another success and another success. And before you know it, they are the best behaved, number one. And number two, they don't want to stop. They don't want to stop because they have felt this success and success breeds success, not rewards, not punishment. Success breeds success. And so that's what we focus on. How can we help the student find something that he or she can do well? And mm. when they do that, literally do not want to stop. I say, okay, class is over. Can I do one more? I hear that all the time. That is that's powerful. Amazing. That's really amazing. I have a question. Do learning styles have any impact on any of this? Or is it just the success motivates more success? Absolutely. Well, let's go back to the success. What helps the students be successful? It is paying attention to their learning style. And that's just good teaching, right? I don't know if we're focusing on families as much as teaching, but my place is the teaching world, right? So in the classroom, good teaching is teaching to all the learning styles. Everybody learns well that way. You explain something, you write it on the board, you have them do it. And going a step further, the exploration, right? Or the why. Why is it important that we learn how to multiply? Mm -hmm. Even if it's not life-changing, I've always used why is it important? Well, it's important because you're going to need it <laughs> for the rest of your life or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. But going back to your question about the learning styles, absolutely because we do all learn differently, but it is, again, good teaching to, to use all the modes, doing it, the rationalization, seeing it, hearing it. Sometimes I even have some of my students say it with me because when they say it with me, they're speaking it, they're hearing themselves and they're reading it as they do it. I have students read aloud all the time because that's, you're using all your senses. I think that's hard to play for learning. You're talking about teachers, but everything you say, I think, can be applied by mothers in the home. Absolutely. If we understand these principles, we can reinforce them in the home and even trying to teach our children things at home. We need mm -hmm. to be aware of the learning styles. I like what you said also about success breeds success, not rewards. Again, we could apply this principle in our homes as well as learning in all aspects. Absolutely. If we're talking about homeschooling, for sure. I know a lot of my dear friends are choosing to not send their children to school and they're homeschooling. So this would be super important. But I do want to say, in my opinion, as a teacher, when I have relationships with my parents, which I would advise if we're addressing parents and what they can do, I think the most important thing they can do is have a relationship with their teacher. Because I remember when I was deciding whether I should send my personal child my daughter who lives too far away. I was thinking, do I send her to a private school, which I went to my whole entire career and spend a lot of money, or do I send her to a public school? And I thought, you know, I pay taxes, number one. Number two, parents pick up where the schools leave off no matter what. The parents are the primary teacher, not to put pressure on parents that they have to teach math. Okay, that's a big thing, right? I don't know this new way of doing math. I get that. When I'm a teacher, I personally do not give homework because I want parents to have a solid relationship with their children. It's not about teaching. I don't want to put that on my parents. I do my job. I teach the students. If they have trouble, then I may consult with the parents and ask them to work with their child. But it's not common practice for me to give work for the parents to do with their children. 
I think the most important thing parents can do is to support their children with the parents and to help to maintain that love for learning. So if they're struggling academically in school, that's when the parent steps in and they say, well, how can I help you to learn so that we can break through that barrier? Because when you go to school and also maybe it's a conversation with the teacher say, how can I help my child to do what you need to do so that they are successful in your class? And that's a little different from taking on the responsibility as a parent to teach. It's you do it if necessary, but the reason you're doing it is to maintain that love of learning and not to partner with the teacher in teaching. It may look like that, and that may be where it's at, especially if you have young children. It's so important to keep that love of learning that's happening in the school so that they don't hate school and get further, further, further and further behind. I think nip it in the bud if you can. If we're talking about parenting, I think that's the most important thing is to help your child be successful in what's happening at school. Um, We look forward to talking to you a little bit more. We need to take a quick break and we'll be right back. On behalf of all the volunteers here on the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, we want to thank those who have donated to help make this a reality. If you feel like you can help maintain this podcast, please go to www.americanmothers.org slash donate and give what you can to help us continue the podcast. We enjoy bringing these to you every week and connecting with you mom to mom. I've been thinking of you, been teaching about encouraging the love of learning. Back when I had a little preschool that I did with a couple of friends, we talk all week about the letter F. And then we go to the firemen at the end of the week to encourage that, look at this, you get to touch the fire truck and be with the firemen and stuff like that. So finding creative ways to bring learning into it. I, I love going on field trips with my kids and I was blessed to be able to do that. It's fun when they actually get to see some of these subjects in real life. Like here we are, we're talking about science, but let's go to a science museum. And all of a sudden the kids' eyes just about pop out of their heads. Do you know what I mean? So I think that taking them in and showing them how these things apply, science applies in cooking, science applies, you know, let's go look at the science museum. There are so many different ways that you can incorporate kind of the more fun and applicable aspect into learning, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I do agree with that. And you guys are really good about bringing that out. And that's what parenting is, right? We're talking American mothers. How can I be a better mother? And the learning for that. And I appreciate that. I guess I just came from the mindset that I've had parents who they don't even bring their kids to school. Mm. And I'm having conversations. And I know that may not be the parents that are actually listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, right? Because Obviously, if they're listening, they care, right? And you're probably moms and dads out there. You're probably doing all of this already and supporting the teacher. It's just really tricky for me on my end because I am literally texting parents and saying, hey, is Johnny coming to school today? We love having him come to school today. How can I help get him to school today? So sometimes that's what I deal with. And Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm like, oh no, don't think that you have to be teaching your own children and taking them to the fire station. Parents will And a lot of parents do. And I've had those parents as well. 
that they're like, what else can I do? And they're teaching them just as much at home as they were teaching me. What are they doing? How can I support? And I would grab onto that. Absolutely. But I was just trying to find the balance, you know, between yeah. the parents that actually do want to do more. If that's what we're doing, then absolutely the love of learning, we can address those and the things that we need to do. But I also want to discuss and bring to the table what we can do where we don't have to teach. It is okay that it is not your job. It, leave it to the teacher and just support that through your child and what you observe in their interactions at school. They come home. How did it go? Oh, it was great. Or oh, it was lame. What happened? You, my teacher yelled at me again. Those types of things are just as important to the learning. I think that's what I'm saying is that we don't have to teach to support the love of learning. That's the a really good way to put it. I appreciate that, Pam, because a lot of mothers, well, like you, they're single mothers. They have to take care of everything in the house and their families, and they just are overwhelmed. So this is probably a real relief for those who are trying to do it all. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be responsible for teaching, but supporting and encouraging. Mm -hmm. that, that is very helpful information. So thank you for sharing. Okay, I'm glad because that's how I truly feel. So supporting the teacher, that teamwork, I always tell my students, it's a triangle. It's the team is you, me, and your parents. And so I said, the first thing is between you and me, you have to learn. And if you don't want to, then I bring in your parents. And if they can't help, then I step in. The angle is that just students that struggle. It's not everyone. I don't say, okay, you got to learn on your own. That's not what I'm saying. But I said, that's the teamwork that we have. When we're talking to parents, your part is to support your child in the learning and saying, hey, what can you do? Maybe you can do this to learn better. Why aren't you paying attention? Why are you talking to your friend all the time? Why did you get in trouble in the playground? That type of situation. But the unfortunate thing about the teachers being people is that after misbehavior, 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 the students get a reputation. I'm asking teachers to not do that, right? I work with teachers to get through that obstacle and to look at things a different way. But that is what happens until we get to teachers and having them understand the importance of building relationships and working with the challenging behaviors students, then they're going to possibly mistreat your children. So what do we do as parents to encourage that? Because the behaviors will unfortunately leak its way into the learning from mm -hmm. both ways. The student not feeling encouraged to learn or having a hard time and they'll misbehave. And the teacher then seeing misbehavior, misbehavior, I give up on that child mm -hmm. and they don't work with them anymore because they're done. So as parents, what we can do is help the children work through that either by talking with the student and their child only, or by talking with the teacher. So Johnny, what's happening in school? well, maybe you could do this. Can I help you at home? How can I help you get through that? Because we need you to learn and we need you to pay attention. Why aren't you paying attention? Well, because it's hard. Okay, then how can I help you so that it's not hard? What can I do? Well, the teacher keeps giving us stuff. Do you want me to talk to the teacher? Yeah. Okay, it's those types of conversations that not only build your relationship with your child and help them to feel like they can do it because they have support, but it's also putting it into action. What will you actually do? I like that. I think working together and you're focusing on their strengths, helping them find their strengths. 
and helping them move forward. So Pam, before we go, I know that there are going to be mothers out there who have been so impressed by what you've been teaching today, and they would probably like to reach out to you or learn more from you and your perspective. Is there any way that they can reach out to you or contact you or any advice that you would give them? Yes, I would love to get in contact with parents and teachers. I haven't really segued into what parents need, although these tools totally apply. I just haven't marketed it that way yet. So a lot of what they're going to look at is classroom management stuff, but it's the same thing. We talk about building relationships, how to build relationships and teaching our expectations. It's the same thing when we have our child go and say curfew is midnight. How do you teach that curfew is midnight and how to use the steps for that. Another tool that we use is the self-control tool is like, but why do I have to go? Why do I have to read? Why do I have to do my homework today? I know you don't want to do your homework, but it's something that we discussed. How can I help you? It's that type of, that's not a conversation anymore because you've already had the teaching moment. Now it's just, and that's another one of the tools that you can use. There's a consequential type tool. There's a tool that you need to take care of yourself. Otherwise you're going to be short with your kids. That's that self-care type of tool. We have a website. It's called educatorsuccess1.com. So www.educatorsuccess1.com. You can reach out. I give a lot of free things out there because I want to give back. I am also writing a book. It's more geared towards teachers right now. But as you can see, these tools really, really help in the home as well. The book is called Rewards and Punishment Don't Work, So Now What? I think that's what we need to go to the next step because teachers are frustrated, even parents. I also have an Instagram and Facebook page that I give out free tips all the time according to these tools. Instagram is Educator Success Classroom MGT for management. That's Instagram. The Facebook page is The Art of Classroom Management. I'm just really here for you because I think that finding a positive way to help our children or people around us to do the right things out of choice and not out of coercion is so much better for everybody. I'd love to connect. Those will probably be posted in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. We really appreciate having you here today and for sharing your wisdom, because I know that there are a lot of mothers out there who are struggling perhaps with some of the things that we've talked about today. And this has been very meaningful to them, just as it's been meaningful to me. So thank you. Thank you. I think this is a good time to let our listeners know about the national fifth grade essay contest. American Mothers invites all fifth graders or equivalent to submit a hundred word essay on the topic, what my mother means to me. The contest is open from August 15th to December 15th. I think this is a great way to encourage children to write about someone they love and they can do it on their own time at their own pace. You will find the guidelines at AmericanMothers.org. Click on what we do in the drop down box. Click on National Fifth Grade Essay. We'll be sure to put the link on the show notes along with links to some information shared during our program. Encourage your fifth grader or equivalent if they're homeschooled to look into the national fifth grade essay contest and what my mother means to me. Um, we were wondering if you had something you wanted to share, a mothering moment or a mothering idea that might give inspiration to other mothers listening. So the story that comes to mind, and I do tell this story a lot, so that's why it's in the forefront of my mind. My daughter was 
oh, nine, 10 years old. And she came to me and it was a decision on whether to do something or not. And I said, well, I've told you what I think and I've counseled you. So now it's up to you. And she said, well, no, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. And I just said, you know what? It's not up to me. It's up to you. And it's up to your relationship with your heavenly father. So you talk to him and he will help you to make that decision because people will be unreliable or for some reason, it's hard to rely on other people, but you can always rely on your heavenly father. And so it's a question that you have to ask him. I've already counseled you. You know what I think. And now it's up to you. You have agency to make that decision and counsel with your heavenly father. And that's the way that I raised her is that you can come to me, but I may give you bad advice that's not appropriate and right for you. So have your relationship with your heavenly father and with your savior And that's what's going to take you through life's struggles and life choices better than me. Although I love being in in your life and I love you asking me for advice, but the final decision is between you and your Heavenly Father. And that's come into play a lot of times. In fact, when she was on her mission, some stuff happened and I did want to step in and say, oh, maybe you should do this. But then I remember Heavenly Father telling me, it's not about you, Pam. I've already talked with Hannah. We figured it out. Now you have to figure out how you're going to deal with that. And so it's her relationship with Heavenly Father. And that's what I really taught. I think that's the most important thing that we can teach them is how to handle the life struggles that are going to come and looking for spiritual guidance. We're so thankful that Pam was able to join us today. And if you are still curious about how you can motivate your children and stimulate them when they're not in school, perhaps on summer break, don't despair. We're bringing Pam Zoe back next week to answer that important question. Plus talk about issues where kids really don't like learning and how to figure out what the challenges that they're dealing with and solve it. So tune in next week for that. I'm Charity Hatterley. I am the American Mother of the Year for 2022 representing Idaho. One of the ways that I encourage my children to not give up and to continue to pursue their dreams is really just to help them see that failure doesn't exist when you learn something. When we embrace failure and we embrace those baby steps and falling on our face and getting back up, just like when we learned how to walk and celebrate those movement forwards, it takes the fear out of chasing your dream because when you're not worried about failure, and of course it's the continuous reminder to ourselves. We don't like to fail, but failure is definitely part of the pathway to success. So that's one thing I do is just reiterate to them over and over that failure is where you learn the most. So if our goal is to fail as many times as we can today, then we're going to move forward a lot faster and farther than if we're afraid of that failure. so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. 
The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom-to-Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members, or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on. Welcome back. We have been talking to Pam Sayo about children and education and all that fun stuff that sometimes is easy and sometimes is really challenging for us as parents and as educators. So Pam, kind of to go into the second segment, I'd like to ask a question. What do you think that mothers can do to help stimulate their children when they are not in school, say when they're um, off for summer break? Mm, Good question. Let them be kids. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Because the reason I say that is, and this is the reason that I don't give homework either. We tackle school for that six and a half hours and we go, we go strong and we go deep, right? So that's what we do. And then they go home and I want them to play. Same thing with the summer. Uh, Is it detrimental to go two months without learning? Possibly. (laughs) Possibly, but um, but we have to balance the maintenance of the information with letting them be kids. Because when we think about this as adults, if I don't like my job, I can quit. Mm-hmm. Kids cannot quit school. I always tell my students, um, if your parents don't bring you to school, they'll get thrown into jail because it's mm-hmm. law that they have to, it's called truancy. You have to go to school. It's a blessing and it's a curse sometimes. And <laughs> we talk about <laughs> principles are like, oh, I, um, cause I, like I said, I'm on a Facebook uh, group with principals and sometimes they're like, parents are asking for requests of teachers, you know? And, and I get as a parent, that's extremely important, right? Because we're thinking, a whole 180 days with this teacher, I am not sure how that's going to go because our, our children don't have a break from that. Mm-hmm. So if we understand that and help them work through it, because our role as parents is not to shield them from danger and bad situations. Our job as parents is to help our kids through those because they will happen for one reason or another, right? Maybe they get assigned a teacher that just rubs them the wrong way. Do we go to the principal and ask for a switch? Or do we help our, our children through that? Um, I, from the school point of view, think that parenting should be helping our kids through that. That's what I did with my daughter. I said, how can I help you through this? Well, my teacher hates me. Okay, <laughs> I know how you can feel that way. But what can we do? Like, do you want me to talk to your teacher? Do you want, you know, what do you want me to do here to help you through this? And that advocacy is important to them, number one. But going back to your original question about like, what should we do during the summer? I just think letting them be kids and having them enjoy that respite of the hard work. 
that's going to happen. And school is hard. It's hard academically. It's hard behaviorally. It's hard. The schedule's hard. We're asking them to go through so many challenges um, throughout the 180 days that they have. So I say little bit, a little bit of maintenance, but by all means, give them choices because this is the time that they get to do it and have mm. fun. I like that you brought in the choices because I think that's part of it. Cause maybe you just need to ask, what do you want to do on your time off? Right. <laughs> and maybe they do want to keep learning. Maybe they want to play school like you did when, you know, you, when you were a little girl, <laughs> exactly. maybe that is like their passion, but maybe they want to read a book on something right. else or, or whatever. But let, I love that idea of letting them be kids for as long as possible because my kids sure needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, now, this next follow-up question is um, very personal, especially to me. I have two sons with special needs, and then I have another son who had a learning disability. So um, what if they really don't like learning? And we've kind of talked about how that can kind of play into behaviors. Um, how can we find out what the issue is and make it better? Wonderful question. I love discussions and I'm sure you've done that with your sons, right? Oh like, yeah. What is it? So what happens? Like, why don't you want to go to school? Why, what is hard? And what do they say? <laughs> I'm turning mm -hmm. the tables here. Like, what do they say? I mean, do, can you get information from them? Well, I have two on the autism spectrum. So one of them is able to communicate with me verbally. One of them is not. Okay. And so in school, thank goodness, I think when you're in, when you have a child in the special education program, there has to be a ton of communication between yeah. teachers and students and parents. I mean, I don't know how you cannot be involved. Um, and so as we integrated them into classrooms, there was a whole bunch of communication going on there. Um, when they were younger, especially the two on the autism spectrum couldn't communicate with me. So it was more me learning how I could communicate with them and set up schedules. I actually learned a lot from the teachers Yes. as I watched how they helped my children learn a schedule that I needed to make a visual schedule and that helped them. Yes. So I think that that part parents partnering with teachers can also bear, benefit us as parents. If, if, if our children have special needs that we're not, we didn't learn about this. I mean, I never got a degree in speech therapy. I never got a degree in autism, you know, teaching them. And so I learned a lot from the parents from that. But for example, my son that ended up having a learning disability, that was hard because he was quote unquote normal, especially compared to my other kids. Um, and so I guess that is, that that is the question I, I'd love to just bring up to kind of pick your brain a little more because I know it was such a struggle for us to even get the correct diagnosis for him and he thought he was a failure for so long because he was having a hard time reading and if you can't read very well it impacts your self-esteem it impacts every subject because you're reading the assignment and then having to process that and answer the questions and homework was a bear because he'd come home and he was just done. And I tried for an hour and a half to get him to do the one page of homework. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just pulling my hair out. <laughs> right, absolutely. And that's, and that's what I don't want parents to go through, right? Because 
I've, I've heard that all the time. And that actually, that actually is a part of the destruction of learning is mm-hmm. that we ask parents to go, okay, can you do this with the, your student and with your child? And the parents try too. So now it's coming from all angles, right? It's hard in school and now it's hard at home and I can't play until I do this. Mm-hmm. And just everything is hard. So what, um, so the original question was how do we <laughs> help our, our children? Yeah, <laughs> if they don't like learning, how can we find out what the issue is and make it better? Okay, um, I, okay, so it does go back to the conversation. Why don't you wanna learn? What, you know, so uh, is it hard? Because I already know that 95% of disengagement and not wanting to do the work is because it's either it's not appropriate. It's not the right level for them. It's either too hard or too easy. Mm. Okay. So, so there's always my first question is why don't you want to do it? You know, and they'll may, they may say it's boring. Okay. Then dig deeper. Why is it boring? You know, to have this conversation is important and to, to get to why they are feeling the way they feel. Um, And again, whether you get anything out of that or not, another one of our tools to behaviors that we want is building relationships. So they, they, you're having this conversation and they know that you care about them. That's points for that either way around, even if you don't get to the bottom of it. Um, so having those conversations are super important. Um, and then, um, I mean, when, when, how old was it when, and, and I appreciate using this specific example, because I think this is important if it's okay with you. So how old yeah. was he when, um, when you, did discover that there was a possible problem with like he didn't like learning I mean was this from day one kindergarten he's like I don't want to go to school I mean how did this look you know he he's um I think by the time he was in first grade that I just really started noticing he had a great kindergarten teacher you know kids in kindergarten you know they're a little squirrely if 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 they're not focusing the teacher's not freaking out um (laughs) generally right (laughs) So first, second grade, I I knew something was wrong. And I remember getting his vision tested. I remember, you know, one of his teachers, like he just needs medication. And that was a hard year. Let me just say, Um, (laughs) she's like, he's just hyperactive. He doesn't want to focus. He needs medication to help him hold still. And I just remember thinking, okay, he's, you know, he's just full of life. He's just full of energy. And, and, uh, sometimes asking them to hold still when they're full of energy is hard, but he actually ended up having an issue where his, um, his brain and his eyes had never learned to coordinate. And so even though I'd taken him to an eye doctor and, and they saw that, um, he could read like, just, he can see the ABCs on the board his, his two eyes were not coordinating. And so he had to end up getting uh, vision therapy um, where they actually, it's like physical therapy for your eyes, where they train your brain and your eyes to work together. But we didn't discover that until the summer before his fifth grade year. And so by that time he was, he had convinced himself in his mind, I'm dumb, you know, and I knew he wasn't. And I had teachers who believed that, you know, he's smart, he can do these things, but he he just wasn't able to process what he was reading like the rest of the students in the class. So sometimes the answer isn't like one of the easy ones. It's not dyslexia, 
You know what I mean? And so you're just like pulling your hair out as a parent going, I know my kid is smart and we're having challenges. And I mean, I was working with parents. I was working with teachers. It, It was, it was just a hard situation all around. So sometimes finding what the issue is, isn't as easy as this. It's, it's the normal top 10 challenges. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, so how is, how old is he now? And how is it? He is now 24 (laughs) and, um, school was never his favorite thing, but he is actually in a vocational school where he's working to become a mechanic and he's more hands-on type person, more hands-on type learning. And this has been perfect for him. Yes. So, um, so I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning, regardless of whether we know why the situation is happening we still have to find the little successes. So for example, um, oh, I was talking to a parent the other day and they said, when I finally figured out that the teacher gave us an hour of this and I just, and what I decided was, no, I'm not gonna do an hour of this. I'm gonna have them, instead of doing the 27 problems, I'm gonna have them do three and call it good. And that's those types of modifications. So I have um, my degree in special education as well. And I think the most important thing that they teach us with that is modification. Mm. We don't have to know why necessarily. We want to know why so we can know exactly how to tackle it. But it just goes back to behaviorally. I feel like behaviors can be adjusted no matter what, uh, not only adjusted, but can be an indicator no matter what the cause is. So teachers or parents, we don't need necessarily i mean we eventually want to figure out what the issues are and the core of the problem but it's not necessary to help them to be successful behaviorally or academically oh, maybe academically not so much because if there's a rift then we have to find that and help this child through but behaviorally and to feel good about themselves and for talking about the love of learning that's when we do what what we modify we modify we do what we know that they can do. We scale back. And even if it looks like, well, they'll never catch up, it doesn't matter because we want to maintain that level of learning because you can't get any learning done if they hate being there. Mm -hmm. So, which is the opposite of love, right? So what do we do? We scale back and we go, how can we help? Okay, what, how many problems do you want to do? You know, even if it's going back like that and we may think, well, you know, he should, learn how to do the 27 problems. I mean, that's a life lesson too. You got to have grit and da, 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 you know, I mean that, and of course that's the balance, right? Do we teach them grit or we do maintain the love of learning? Mm. Right. What do that, we- I, excuse Go me. I, I was thinking about my youngest son. His, he thought he was stupid because he just got bored doing the same thing over and over and over again. He says, I know it mom. And so modification would have really helped him. I took him to a parent-teacher conference, and I walked in with him, and he says, he's, he's not, he doesn't need to be here. I go, yes, he does, because she showed us the standardized test and where he fell in it, and he was in the 90-something percentile, and I go, so what do you think about that? He goes, I thought it was stupid. I go, obviously, you're not. So modification would have been a good thing for him, because doing the same things over and over and over again did not help him feel like he was successful. He had to still do the same things over and over. So modification in his point, for him, 
might have been a good thing. Even though he was successful at it? No, he didn't turn in his work because he didn't want to do it. <laughs> oh, yes. That's what I'm talking about. The behavior. Yeah. Why aren't you turning in your work? Well, because it's too easy. Okay, boom. There's the answer. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, it was just boring to him because he knew yeah. the answers. Why do you have to do 27 problems when three would have told him that he knew? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. Sometimes. Um, and actually, that's another way to encourage love of learning. I mean, I, I used to do something that was really fun. I used to give them pretests. And if they got 90% or better, I'm like, boom, you get free time now. You know, I, I mean, love that, love that yeah, idea. Uh, just, you know, I mean, I, I'm the, just because I thought, why am I drilling this into if you already know it? Every so often I'd say, I pull them in though, when they're doing their free time and say, okay, I want you to do this problem. Okay, you got that. Okay, we're good. You can go back to your, whatever your playtime is. And I would have that conversation with their parents. I'd say, if they test out, or you, what do you want them to do? And, you know, and the parent will go, well, what do you want to do, Charlie? And Charlie would say, well, I'd like to play on the computer. And the mom's like, is that okay? And I said, yes. And then we go, okay. And that's how that happened. You know, that mm. teamwork. And again, going back to um, that conversation and bringing them in. And that's really important for them. And then, I mean, if I wanted, if I really wanted Charlie to do something else, I would have told the parent and Charlie and then say, okay, I know you want to just play in the a computer game, but that's not going to be okay for me. These are your choices, you know, and the, that type of thing. But, but you test it out. So why sit here when everyone else is trying to learn how to do long division and you already know it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would do in the classroom just to maintain that level of learning. So what can, what does that look like at home? I mean, it's really tough if you have, if you have a teacher who's like, no, I know Charlie knows it, but I wanted to do it anyway. That's when the parenting comes in and you go, okay, Charlie, your teacher says you need to do the work in order to get yeah. a grade. So we're not learning multiplication here now. We're not learning division because we know you know that. Now we're learning, this is a lesson in grit. So how yeah. are you going to learn that? And Discipline. It helps them learn discipline and the job needs to be done so it needs to be done. I mean, if that's the, if that's the conversation, if that's the lesson you want them to learn right at that moment, then um, that that's your parenting prerogative, right? Like, I know that your teacher says you don't have to do it. I mean, I know your teacher says you have to do it and for you to get a good grade. So we're going to have to do it. Okay. So what are we going to do? Like, how can I do it? And sometimes, <laughs> I mean, it may be sometimes that's when you're like, okay, if you can do this thing. Then I'll go buy you a donut. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, oh, that's where someone, the one of the articles I was reading said bribery works, well, and I'm not, uh, and I'm not a briber. But sometimes I guess it's a reward. A reward. Okay, you know, you know well, ahead of time it's a reward. Then yes. you can do it. I do also say that in jest because there is a better way to do it, right? There's a better way, and this is a, another one of the tools. Like I said, these tools work in the classroom, but they work in home too. So as a parent. I would use my teaching expectations with exactness tool. If I need my kid to get on the ball and do what he needs or she needs to do, I would do this. And the five steps are, why do you think it's important that the teacher wants you to do your work even though you know how to do it? That's step one, the rationale. Well, because maybe because I can learn like discipline. Yes, what are some other reasons? Oh, maybe because you know, and you get, you draw it out of your child of why it's important that you do this behavior, whether you agree with it or not. In fact, I just um, consulted with the principal and he's like, we're taking away cell phones. How do we do this? I was like, dude, have a conversation with them. 
why list reasons why do you think it's important that we're asking you to not have cell phones same thing here why is it important that why is it important that we're at your teacher is asking you and i support your teacher so why do you think we're asking you to do the 27 problems even though you know how to do it and you'll get you'll get the right answer because they're smart you'll get the right answer from them and then as i go say what does that look like step two what does that look like well i come do my problem do my homework. How can we do it? What do you want to do? Do you want to do it as soon as you get home? Or like, what do you want to do? Yeah, I'll just do it when I get home, get it out of the way. Okay, cool. So now if you don't do it, what's going to happen? Step three, if you don't do it, what's going to happen? Well, I'm probably going to get a bad grade. Is that important to you? No, not really. <laughs> then you have a different conversation. Well, why is it important for you to get good grades? Okay, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It could go anywhere from there, but it's the conversation and it's hearing them and it's trying to get the rationale and exactly what it looks like. Okay, so after you decide, fingers crossed, he says he's going to do the 27 problems when he gets home. So before he leaves for school, here's another, this is another part of the tool. Before he leaves the school, he's going to say, okay, when you come home, we decided. With your idea, you're going to come home and straight away do your your math problems, right? Yeah, fine. Okay. And then he comes home. Hey, remember what we decided this morning? It, you, I reminded you so that you don't get the kickback, right? Well, I don't want to do it today. Well, you know, if you remind them proactively, teach them, prompt them. Remember when you get home, you know, when they get home, okay, I know I'm talking like a broken record, but grab your snack and do your math, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, that type of thing. That's where that tool comes into play. Hmm. So I'm kind of piecing all this together. And what I'm really seeing is, first of all, that communication between parents and teachers is imperative, especially if you have a child who is struggling, whether because they're too smart or whether because there's a, a challenge going on there. The second thing that I'm, I've really kind of pulled out from this conversation is the importance of finding the right modification for your child. That education, even though teachers are teaching a big classroom, can be modified to the individual um, and what they need. Obviously, there's a conversation there that has to happen between parents and the student and the teacher and all that stuff. But um, just the, so overall, it's it boils down to communication, right? Yes, um, it does. And that's the how, but the why is that we don't want to get on the path of destroying the love of learning because mm. our kids are born with that. I mean, they're born with that, right? You see what they do. You see a newborn baby. They're like looking around. I mean, they're trying to learn. That's what life is about. That's what they naturally are wired to do is to grab information. And somewhere along the way, it gets destroyed. So the why is... We're just trying to maintain their love and there are ways that we can maintain it so that it doesn't go to where we're trying to fix things. Mm -hmm. And that's paying attention, having that, having those discussions. How was school today? Someone, my teacher got mad at me, yelled at me. Why? What happened? Not what did you do, but what happened? What do you think happened? Why, why did she yell at you? What do you think? So that's what communication comes in because we want to nip the we want to nip it in the bud before they go down that road of destroying love of learning. Mm -hmm. That's why communication is important. That's why modifying is important because we want to maintain that. Mm. That's Perfect. beautiful. Thank you so much, Pam, for spending time with us today. You've
given me some great ideas to support my grandchildren <laughs> and encourage my children in helping their children. I just love the perspective you've given from the teacher's point of view and how we as parents can support you and continue the love of learning for our children. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. We really appreciate having you here today and for sharing your wisdom, because I know that there are a lot of mothers out there who are struggling perhaps with some of the things that we've talked about today. And this has been very meaningful to them, just as it's been meaningful to me. So thank you. Thank you. So Pam, before we go, I know that there are going to be mothers out there who have been so impressed by what you've been teaching today, and they would probably like to reach out to you or learn more from you and your perspective. Is there any way that they can reach out to you or contact you or any advice that you would give them? Yes, I would love to get in contact with parents and teachers. I haven't really segued into what parents need, although these tools totally apply. I just haven't marketed it that way yet. So a lot of what they're going to look at is classroom management stuff, but it's the same thing. We talk about building relationships, how to build relationships and teaching our expectations. I mean, it's the same thing when we have our child go and say curfew is midnight, right? Like how do you teach that curfew is midnight and how to use the steps for that? Another tool that we use is the self-control tools. Like but why do I have to go? To, why do I have to read? Why do I have to do my homework today? I know you don't want to do your homework, but it's something that we discussed. How can I help you? It's that type of, that's not a conversation anymore because you've already had the teaching moment. Now it's just, and that's another one of the tools that you can use. There's a consequential type tool. There's a tool that you need to take care of yourself. Otherwise you're going to be short with your kids. That's that self-care type of tool. Hey, so, uh, we have a website. It's called educatorsuccess1.com. So www.educatorsuccess1.com. You can reach out. I give a lot of free things out there because I want to give back. I am also writing a book. It's more geared towards teachers right now. But as you can see, these tools really, really help in the home as well. The book is called Rewards and Punishment Don't Work. So now what? I think that's what we need to go to the next step because teachers are frustrated, even parents. I also have an Instagram and Facebook page that I give out free tips all the time according to these tools. Instagram is Educator Success Classroom MGT for management. That's Instagram. The Facebook page is the Art of Classroom Management. I'm just really here for you because I think that finding a positive way to help our children or people around us to do the right things out of choice and not out of coercion is so much better for everybody. I'd love to connect. Okay. Those will probably be posted in the show notes. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you. Have you ever as a mother wondered what you should do to stimulate your child's learning when they're not in school? Should you have them do additional stuff? Should you let them have a break during the summer? We're going to tackle that today and a little bit more. Stay tuned. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast. We are so pleased to welcome back Pam Sayo for a second segment because she had so many good things to say last week that we had to bring her back to share more bits of wisdom with you. 
Grief is a very real part of our lives. And grief is more than just loss or death. Next week, we'll talk about when grief can come upon us and how we can deal with it and learn how to manage grief. Stay tuned next week. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you. And we'll be right back.